everyone, Matt here. And in this episode, I'm super excited to introduce you to Tana Taylor. She's a spiritual coach and a professional storyteller and has an amazing story to tell that I really can't wait to hear. Tana, super excited to have you with us and thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Matteo and Renata, for, for hosting me. No worries at all. So um, we were just having a chat before the beginning and you're saying to me that you are, and I'm looking here on, uh, on, on, on Google, is paradise, Playa de Carmen. Looks like, exactly. looks like a, the dream. <laughs> How is life over there at the moment? Are you guys, you know, free to, to live a normal life? How is, how is life? How is living there? Exquisite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really sums it up. Exquisite. It's a tropical paradise packed with uh, spiritual happenings. So as a spiritual coach and as, you know, a wellness junkie, um, and as a person that was raised by White Witch and an astrologer, magic is literally in my bones. Yeah. So no wonder I was drawn here, whereas you can find ceremonies, rituals, and also opportunities for deep immersion, you know, on basically every step. And at the moment, I'm in Playa del Carmen, as you quite nicely highlighted, um, which is a small city. It was just a fishing place merely 20 years ago. And now it's like a spiritual hub for all those who are seeking. Well, we're not sure what they're seeking and those who are very sure what they're seeking. So long, beautiful white sand beaches, um, exquisite tropical fruits, organic food on every step and really normal and free life. Sounds like the place to, to go for a holiday, uh, 30 degrees all year round. But look, I really want, Tana, I want to do a flashback here and really dive back into your origin, your beginnings. Right? You say that you're originally from Croatia. I come from Italy, so kind of neighbors. <laughs> um, and, and I did a lot of racing in Croatia and uh, it's also beautiful, a beautiful, a beautiful place. Tell me your, your, your story. Like, what, what were you like as a child when, when you were growing up? <laughs> okay, wow. Another question I would suggest, I, I expected. But nevertheless, the interesting one. Um, so I was raised in a very spiritual household. As I pointed out during our intro, uh, my mom is a witch, white witch, and an astrologer. But also one part of my family was highly religious and is this mixture of a very theological way of pursuing the world versus very spiritual and once when blended together i really believe they gave me the upbringing which not many are privileged to have Mm -hmm. needless to say i was raised by grandmother uh, that loved soap operas uh, or so they call it telenovelas here and she always kept repeating, you know, one day when you'll be a big girl, you are going to pack your suitcases and you're going to go to Mexico and you're going to find the love of your life. Wow. And she was right. But as it turns out, it's not a man, but a country. Mm-hmm. So my story, even though I'm born in Croatia and even though I originated from them and even though I was privileged enough to, you know, enjoy organic fresh foods on a daily basis and raised in a very, very loving uh, a family with my grandmother, father, and mother. My story of self-revelation and self-expression really started here in Mexico 
just before the pandemic hit 2020, uh, yeah, 2020, this last year. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. And your mother, I was reading that she was um, astrologist, correct? She is. <laughs> she is. <She's>, yes. <laughs> she is. She is an astrologer. She is an incredible spiritual woman. She uh, is a tarot card reader. And she's really one of my role models uh, because not only that she, you know, does, uh, is very well acquainted with spiritual modalities, but the way she, in which she holds space for her clients. And really, you know, she's doing coaching and consulting before that was even a thing. So, you know, back in 92, she started her own company, had her own company for eight years, uh, served people across the globe. Uh, and really, wow. this was a very impactful uh, for me. Although I have to say that I was a very rebellious child. So I always wanted to go against the grain. So what I did is basically I said, okay, no, that's all rubbish. That, that, that all doesn't exist. And I decided to start studying business. I was like obsessed with money and stability and rational way of perceiving life. And, and so I, I finished one uh, bachelor's in finances. And then the second one, as I mentioned during that intro in Austria, uh, and I got this, you know, position in Google and promotion and everything just to figure out after a while that my life is miserable and that nothing is I was, as I pictured it. I was in the office. I was literally locked up in the cubicle for like 10 hours a day. I was a slave to a corporation and I really wasn't living my spirituality, myself, my wellness. I'm also, I'm a nature, nature junkie. <laughs> so I have to be in nature. And of course, living in, in a city, you know, and working that much did not give me the opportunity to cope and really immerse myself into the nature. And after barely three months, I, I managed to gain 20 kilos, 15 kilos. I managed to uh, uh, actually provoke prediabetes uh, to trigger my IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome. And I really was miserable and because I was following the rational, practical route of, you know, go out there, finish university, get a job, highly paid, preferably for a 500 uh, fortune company. And, and, and in the midst of it, I barely scratched the surface of it. And I was miserable. <laughs> well, I, 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 can, I, can, I just want to interrupt you a second because... Um, my my story was very similar. I, I think maybe I didn't get there as quick as you. You know, I had that realization. It took me about four years to to realize that that you know I didn't want to stay in a cubicle all day long. Um, and uh, I'd be like you. I love nature. I love you know being outdoor, mountains, beach, stuff like that. And it's the sense that you know with. Don't get me wrong, I think money solves a lot of problems, but when you're there and you're a slave of that life and you realize that there is no much of a difference in your life, whether you're making a lot or little, you're still doing the same thing. And it became like, what was the point of that, right? So what was the moment that you realized I need to get out of here? I'm so glad you're asking this question. And I'm 100% with you on mm. money not being, you know, the main driver, because when it is, once we actually get it, if that's all we have, that's not much at all. Mm. And I believe we both know that, right? So 
when I realized that it was actually, you know, people have this aha moments. I don't. And I am like, I'm very inspired by people that woke up one day and all of a sudden realize, oh my God, you know, I'm done living like this. For me, it did not happen so suddenly. And I think there are two reasons for that. Two, the, the reason is actually twofolded. So first, I always knew, I mean, I always knew that this is not my life. Mm -hmm. Even when I was stepping into the Google, I knew that I'm only there for a while or so I said myself, like I convinced myself. And the second reason is that I just don't uh, like acting on a whim. I'm a person who really needs to sit down with emotion and let myself process it to be able to take an action. So I'm a very much um, an advocate of a calculated action. Mm. And maybe that combination resulted in me not having an aha moment. But what I did have is the release. And I believe that happened when I was in Dublin. I just, I just wrapped up a very exhaustive meeting, exhaustive meeting. And I saw the commercial, like the Facebook ad for Mind Valley. I don't know. Do you know who is Mind Valley? Nobody will. And, uh, I think about about pretty much all their courses. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I saw that they're coming from all places to Croatia. Yeah. That the Mind Valley University is going to be held in Croatia. Okay. Now, in that moment, I also have accumulated debt, so I had a debt. I was about to quit my job, had no other option on the horizon. Um, but I was, I saw myself there. I just saw myself surrounded with those highly successful, spiritually oriented people. I saw myself talking to vision. I saw myself being there, just soaking up the energy. And long and behold, three months afterwards, I was. And being there and being surrounded with the people who were living their dream, who were embodying their passion, who were the doers, the talkers, and the walkers all at the same time has given me this free pass mm. to, to freedom. Mm -hmm. um, I decided to leave Google even before I went to Mind Valley because I just could not handle it anymore. And you will laugh at this one, but I actually financed a big deal of my studies by dancing. So I did musical dancing, I did, did uh, theatrical dancing, I did burlesque dancing. And I actually decided to go and dance a summer in Greece in one of the resorts. Um, and I was like, I'm just, I just need to do something without thinking, just something that I really love and dancing is, is a part of it. And just as I was about to board to a plane to, to go to Greece, just like maybe five days prior to that, I saw this job ad for the Health Sciences Academy, which was at the time, one of the most prominent startups in nutritional sciences. And I saw the role is remote. And I saw that, <laughs> that it's paid fairly decently. And I was like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply to that, you know. And I actually got the job. And very soon I became the vice president of the entire business department 
But this time on my own terms and really working remotely from wherever I choose to and really working on something that I was passionate about, which is extracting the best out of people and really holding a mirror for them and showing them how to live their best life. And within the academy, I spent months on helping health practitioners and lifestyle medicine practitioners and all other healers, so to speak. I was helping them to start and, and run their practices online to market themselves, the master selling. And all of a sudden I realized, hey, if I'm so good at doing that, why wouldn't I do it for me, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So I figured, but I was mustering up the courage a long time, right? And as a matter of fact, during the day, I was the, their you know, VP of business development, but during the night, I was a student because I was determined by all means. I always was a fan of spiritual modalities, but I always also wanted to combine them with practical science-based teachings. Mm -hmm. So being in a health sciences academy really allowed me to go deep into the world of nutritional sciences and biochemistry and human anatomy and to realize how food is important. So I'm wrapping this story up very quickly. So I know that we don't have that much time, but uh, I'm, 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 what I'm tell, telling has a point and I'm coming to it. <laughs> and basically when I decided to start uh, my own business, there was like, also there was a change in my heart. Whereas, okay, I know I can do business consultancy. I know, I know I'm good with ads. I'm good with soulful selling. I'm good with marketing. I'm good with leading people, cheering them on. I know I have it, right? And that was something that was my mode of excellence, which was something that I was used to doing because I was good at it. But my soul craved so much to be so much more than that. My soul wanted to talk about gemstones. My soul wanted to talk about ancient magic modalities. My soul wanted to talk about plant medicine. <laughs> My soul wanted to talk about how we should make very important decision in a fasted state because, and I'm not gonna go into the science right now, but definitely fight or flight boosts up our uh, clarity when it comes to rational part of the brain, right? So, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna do the business stuff and I'm just gonna wait with, with, with wellness and spiritual stuff. I'm, I'm gonna put them on hold, right? And that's, this is what I did for eight months. So I started my own business. I onboarded a couple of clients, mostly practitioners that were you know, forming their own business. And I started to coach them. I started to guide them. Then a very interesting thing happened. Even though they came to me for business, we would inevitably end up talking about their emotional and spiritual state. Mm, interesting. So, and I was so sure that I figured everything out, so sure that I wrote a book, which is titled Bridging the Gap Between Knowing and Doing, What Every Practitioner Needs to Know. Sure, like, actually you wrote the uh, scene. <laughs> yes, yes, two of them, two of them. But the first one is really not readers friendly because it's a master thesis. And it's very complex, but the second one is very reader friendly. And I'm actually working on my third one, which is about to be launched probably next year, January. <laughs> Jesus. I'm just going to interrupt you one second. Like, you are such an extraordinary young woman, and it's fascinating how you move from finance to Google marketing, you know, health 
like the broad spectrum of how quickly you can acquire knowledge, but not just that, but also master this knowledge and lead other people is fascinating. And how do you do that? <laughs> Thank you. So I'm multi-passionate and I, I just own that, you know? For me, it's, um, we're taught that we need to be one thing to be sellable, mm-hmm. you know? Choose one problem, fix up a solution, present one piece of value, you know, kind of, you need to schematize yourself. You need to put yourself in a box in order to be able to sell it. And whereas that may work sometimes splendidly, it just wasn't my jam. It wasn't my thing. And I strongly believe in being authentic and just owning every part of ourselves. I also believe that people are multi-passionate beings per se. And that letting ourselves to express everything we came here to express is one of our sacred duties. So powerful, so powerful. Tana, there is one thing that I read on your um, description here that I'm really keen to dive in and understand and learn and see what happened. You said, I, 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 know what that is. <laughs> I experienced clinical death two minutes and 45 seconds and enjoyed every part of the experience. You're going to tell me about this. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, it was uh, 2016, February 2016. I was back, uh, back home in Croatia, just visiting the family for, I don't know, it was some festivity that we were celebrating. And I woke up one morning in my old teenage room and I was just like paralyzed from the neck down, unable to move, unable to do anything really. And I screamed out for my dad and he came and I was like, call 911 now. He did. And as they came, they gave me a cocktail of injections. Like they, they, uh, they injected me with Xanax. I think it was ibuprofen and something else. Now, little did they know uh, that I'm actually, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm actually deathly allergic to tranquilizers. Now we figured that one out when I actually died. And now it was only two minutes and 45 seconds, but for me, it was much longer. And um, that was the most profound, intense, an exquisite experience I have had, I would say in my life, but it wasn't really in my life, was it? Mm-hmm. Um, I was complete. I was whole. I was home. I felt like everyone that I know and care about will be safe and sound. I was flying. I was swimming. I was snorkeling. I was everywhere at the same time. I was eternal. And experiencing that was literally experiencing how does it feel not only to be unconditionally loved, but to become unconditional love. Now for me, that was so magical 
so profound, so out of this world that when I came back, I actually, I was actually miserable. So the first thing when they revived me, I opened my eyes and I just, I just wanted to go back to that. Get me back there. Let me go back. Exactly. And um, I spent four years in the miserable state, whereas I was surviving but not thriving. And I don't even think that's the word. I think existing mm. with this nostalgia in my heart about the paradise that I thought I lost. And it really wasn't until I came to Mexico first time. So it was last February, 2020, where I rediscovered that this beautiful planet has such a marvelous things to offer and that we already are home. Wow, that's, that's a remarkable story. And do you think the reason why you went into such a deep state after that event is because you felt like you lost the opportunity to leave there or do you, you had a change in your belief? What, what happened that got you in such a, such a bad state after that? Imagine... Okay, let me ask you a question. What is one, the most single moment in your life? I, I'm sure there were plenty of them, but like, let's, let's think of this one moment, which brought you incredible happiness, fulfillment, and joy. It's such a difficult question to answer. <laughs> um... What's, thing, what's the first thing that comes to mind? I think for me, moments that bring me that level of, you know, joy and happiness is when I'm in connection with nature. And one of these moments was one day me, one of with my friend, uh, we were, I've done a lot of training, triathlon. Uh, so we're swimming a lot. We're on this lake on the mountains and started really raining very heavily. So everybody left the, the lake to, you know, to go back. And we were wearing our wetsuit, right? And we went in the middle of the lake swimming and we just were floating on the top of the water with this sound of the rain coming, coming down on, on, the, on the water. And it was such a beautiful moment of mindfulness, being completely present there, living the moment. And uh, I, I, I remember, and it's, Nothing, you know, nothing extraordinary happened, but it's just being present in that moment. Uh, really, it was being completely immersed. Yes, yes. So now imagine, imagine that it, that the intensity of this moment is amplified by million. Imagine that. The moment is frozen and the emotion is constant. Wouldn't you prefer to stay that there? Gives you the chills, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, yes, very intense. Mm. 
So this is why I was so eager to come back, to go back, that is. Yes. But I realized that divine timing and lessons and tasks that we have is something that we can mess with, but why would we? Mm. I now accept that I'm here to rediscover heaven on earth, and this is what I'm teaching, and this is what I'm helping my students to do as well. Yes, yes. But I really needed to go through the depths of, of <laughs> you know, it says that if you want to really know something, you have to know its polar opposite first. So what's the better way of appreciating life than honoring death? So true. It's so true. You need to, and that's why people that are successful are the ones that are being seen everything, the 360 degrees and, and, um, and really understand both sides, not just the good or also the bad. I want to, I want to know uh, really about, because, and the reason why I'm going to ask you this question is because a lot of people listening, they are in a situation where they're struggling, they're trying to launch their business and things are not working and they're trying hard, money, you know, might be short to that. So I want to learn about, because they, one of the, uh, the, the you know, we came up with this idea calling this episode, the story behind the story. As we just said, you know, there is the beauty, but there is also the other side. So we want to know in terms of entrepreneurship, when you start your own, your own business, the struggles, the pains, the frustration, tell me about what did you have to go through um, a little bit on that. I mean, if you want to talk about pain, let's start with the fact that English is not my native language, <laughs> which is just recently, I realized that I should be more appreciative of that fact because mm. I speak five languages and I function on three languages on a daily basis. And I'm sure that you as an Italian can resonate with that. Yeah, yeah. Two, um, not three. Two is enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> but really what it boils down to is that I can tell you now about all the struggles I've been through and you know people may resonate some not but I really want to talk about something which is quite similar yet distinctively different which is really how we use the suffering to avoid pain mm. And how pain and is a necessary part of growth. You know, when we're little children, we experience pain because our bones are, are growing, our feet are growing, you know, growing and, and everything in between. So pain is inevitable, but suffering is a choice. Mm. And what I mean by that is that as entrepreneurs, as someone who is embarking on a journey of being your own boss and being accountable for everything that you're doing, it really does presume a certain dosage of insanity at the very beginning. And okay. really, <laughs> you know, just, just doing it. I love Nike, just do it, right? But the thing is that willingness to experience pain without suffering, I would say is the most important trait, which I've seen with many big shots and which I'm witnessing with myself. Mm. 
the, the pain occurs when something disappoints us, when the things are not going our way, when we are hurt emotionally or physically. But the suffering is prolonged state of pain, which we put ourselves into with our own will. Right? And I'm seeing that, of course, I'm not claiming that entrepreneurship is an easy road, but it can be quite pleasurable. And it's all dependent on the amount of pain you're able to endure without turning it into suffering. Now, a lot of people, myself included, have been brought up with the victim mindset, mindset, right? So things that happen to us. However, when you embark on an entrepreneurial journey, you need to realize that you are the creator and not only know it with your mental body, but feel it in every single cell, in every single bone. And being okay with the fact that you will fail, you will get disappointed, you will get clients canceling, but as long as you don't make it a part of your, who you are, it's okay. So embrace the failure, but don't label yourself as one. Embrace the pain, but don't turn it into suffering. Embrace the client deal, which went bad, but don't stick to this emotion of disappointment for a prolonged period of time. And I think it's really closely related to how honest are we with ourselves and how willing we are to get out of our comfort zone and also endure the pain for doing that. Because you and I both know that human beings are not created <laughs> to build companies <laughs> and to you know, scale them. We are created to be safe and to procreate. If we're talking biochemically, <laughs> this um, is what nature and means. To survive and to survive. Exactly. So, so and I'm putting survival under the safe category, but, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is what we are created for. So naturally, every time we step out of that, we're putting ourselves in danger, which causes imminent pain. But knowing that, acknowledging that, and not turning it into a suffering, and not being like, oh, this is going to be killing. Oh, this is going to be so difficult, because then it will be more difficult than it necessarily needs to be. So willingness to endure the pain without turning it into suffering, I think, I think, I mean, I'm still in a process of learning that. Mm -hmm. And also what I firmly believe that passion will take you places. However, consistency with executing boring tasks <laughs> will take you to the finish line. Yes. If there is such a thing as finish line, because we're never done, are we? We're just moving it. I'm seeing a lot of people, you know, especially in my line of business, because as a moment, I'm still consulting as a business coach, but I'm also more doing more spiritual work. And my clients are mostly entrepreneurs anyways. And I'm seeing this a lot of passion, a lot of stamina, a lot of willingness, but only when it comes to the things that they want to do. However, really great entrepreneurship is knowing when that is just a piece of a puzzle. And also there is a time when we'll be doing a lot of things that we don't want to do, like all the Emmys, like 
well, I, I'm not a proponent of full DMs. I'm just taking this as an example, or perhaps, yeah, yeah, I don't know, yeah. um, doing the email sequences or uh, creating a list on how we can delegate stuff to our VAs or whatever it is. Yep, yep. So I would say, you know, enduring pain without turning it into suffering, embodying your passion and however accepting the, the boring and tedious tasks that you really don't want to do and being consistent in them is what makes someone a full-fledged uh, entrepreneur well, or just it helps us so much so to lead our journey. Wow. What you just said is so deep and powerful and, and I think it's going to help a lot of people because it's something that we all had to struggle and we all had to change our belief right to the process because when you start you don't know what you don't know so you take that as a, as a failure you take that as a non being good enough and there was joe dispenza uh there was i was watching re-watching an interview he did yesterday and he was talking how people tend to there's something bad happened in the past and they tend to remain into that and leave that bad experience for sometimes 15 20 30 years for something that happened in the past and and they are not living that experience anymore. And, and I think that happens so much with entrepreneurship. And the crazy thing is that everything is connected because your brain, when it's stressed, when it's going through all that stuff happening with, that, with anxiety and everything is affecting your health at the end of the day. And you obviously been studying a lot of that. Um, so it, it's, it's a crazy thing. And one of my struggles that I had to deal with was being okay myself going through the process but then talking to people maybe that are more successful than me or made more money than me but they're not in the same business they say mm, that doesn't sound right you know uh, i don't know if and so they start to create you the doubts am i doing the right things or am i wasting my time and i think a lot of people might struggle with that with worrying about what other people think what other people say being judged is a is a big one how did you deal with that part how did you deal with that component that obviously a lot of people struggle with okay so the only person we should compare ourselves to is the person we were yesterday because there's nobody else who has our story there is nobody else who has our experiences there is nobody else who has our mindset who has all of our five bodies, it's only us. At the same time, we're all one, but we're fragmented into different fragments of consciousness, if I may say so. Mm. Now, talking about comparison, comparison is an ego-driven activity. And comparison is there to confirm that you are or aren't something. But if you think of it this way, in an ideal case scenario, what does comparison bring? That's a question. That's so what does comparison, ideal, when it's ideal, right? In a, what in does a, comparison bring? In, in a good scenario, what does comparison bring? Yes. I think the only thing that can bring is more tenacity than wanting to do better, maybe wanting to, you know, do more, be more, and I don't know, grow more. 
Um, but usually in comparison can be deflating, right? Of course, it depends on who is comparing and what with, right? Mm -hmm. But if we're talking really kind of fundamental stuff, emotion, mm -hmm. what are the two emotions that comparison can bring? But again, depends on the person we're comparing with. If we're comparing with someone that is ahead of us, maybe feel bad, feel not good enough, feel sad, I'm never gonna be able to do what they do. Or if you're comparing this, but I, and this, you know, I'm trying to obviously think with my own mind. I never compare myself with someone behind me. I always compare myself with someone ahead of me. And so when I compare myself, these are the emotions that come up, right? So we either feel inspired, motivated, enlightened, or we feel bad that we're not there yet. Yes, we've always which is which is incredible, because that goes to show what is it that we need. You see, every action we take or every thought we think is a byproduct of a core need or a core desire. In this case, comparison mostly stems from need. Now, if I'm comparing myself to someone and I'm feeling inspired, motivated, enlightened, what is the emotion behind that? Like we, we just, okay, but what is the need? So why did I do the comparison? Why would you do the comparison? I, mean, I, I obviously did it for a reason. Mm -hmm. Why did I do it? I think um, most of the time, when when I when I when I compare with someone, it just instinctively. I don't I don't really compare myself like saying I want to compare myself with that person. It's like a uh, and and one of the one of the cases where I had this real big problem myself. Uh, when we started, we did an affiliate marketing business, me and Renata, and we were in a community and everybody was promoting the same product. And some people, we were using Google ads a lot, YouTube ads, spend an enormous amount of money, wasted, <laughs> um, so painful. But some people will launch, launch literally the third ad and started making 10, 20, $30,000 a month. We launched 335 ads and still couldn't be profitable. So, and you went straight into the comparison. What do they have that we don't, right? Yeah, like wh why, why is he is he making this money? And you know, people don't like me when they look me on, on YouTube. It's my accent. It's because comparison. Yeah. If, I, if I can say so, comparison. Why I was going through all that, you know, how do you feel, and what is the emotions that we can feel? Comparison is actually um, a way to blow off some steam without knowing, knowingly admitting so. Whenever we're comparing ourselves to others, there is an emotion which wants to be expressed, but for whatever reason, we're not expressing it as we would love to, as we would like to. So we use the act of comparison as a tool for expression, expression of whatever emotion we're trying to express. Wow. So if there is a frustration because we're not getting somewhere. Right. This is the emotion which comparison was, will allow us to actually acknowledge. I look at the comparison as a tool which can help us to bring something from the subconscious mind up to the conscious surface. 
The same thing with envy and jealousy. Because envy and jealousy, when you think about it, are exquisite pointers as what we actually want and what we are really uh, firmly believe we cannot have. Mm. So, and of course, now envy and jealousy cannot coexist without comparison, mm. right? So those are remarkable tools to pinpoint what is actually the core belief you should be working on. In your case, of course, and now I know that a lot of entrepreneurs will come to me and they will say, no, but you know, useful comparison is also called benchmarking. And I'm all with you on that one. But if we're talking about, about benchmarking, benchmarking is emotion neutral. Whenever you're comparing yourself and implementing emotion into the mixture, you're not benchmarking any longer, <laughs> right? This is why benchmarking is mostly used within the corporations and, you know, kind of uh, business entities and comparison is more personal. But going back to your story of comparing yourself with others and how to surpass that and how to not give a damn about what anyone thinks. Well, it's impossible to not give a damn about what anyone thinks because we live in an interdependent community and society. And even though I love this individualistic approach, which a lot of American coaches have, I strongly believe that we are wired, once again, biochemically to care about what other people think. Mm -hmm. Completely dismissing that is not an option. However, being a slave to that isn't wise choice either. So one, as always, needs to find the balance. And the balance is always found when the ego is silenced. In the case of your ads, but let me take you know, your ads as an example. The person who has ego silenced won't look at the others and be like, ah, oh, why are they succeeding and me not? What's so bad about me? Um, oh, I'm never gonna get this. Because this is what starts happening, right? In the back of our, and then we start to, sometimes we're angry. I spent all that money, what for? And then we make our failure say something about us. I spent all that money, got nothing in return. I'm obviously stupid. I'm obviously incapable to do things right. And that's ego. ego. However, when ego is downsized, when ego is silenced, what do you think would be the thought process then? And guess what? We're still comparing, but what is the thought process then? It's a very difficult question because I have a problem. I have a very big ego. <laughs> um, but I think, I think if, if you try to put your ego a little bit on the side, you might... And you're still comparing yourself. You're not stopping with the comparison. You're still comparing yourself. But this time, ego is not on a driver's seat. He's not running the show. He is on the backlog, right? He's still there, but he's not running the show. How does comparison look like then? Not so painful, not so frustrating, but more about what you achieved in your own journey and what, how far you come from when you started. This is once again suiting the ego. Mm. Because if, you know, oh, mm -hmm. I, you know, you're not that, but this is once again trying to sugarcoat our mm -hmm. failure. To give a kind of a, <laughs> a reason why it's, it's all good, it's fine. You see, I struggle with this question because, because of the ego. <laughs> no, 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 I love it. I love that we have this conversation. I'm so appreciating your transparency and honesty. I love it. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. The thing is, when we leave 
well, we cannot completely leave legal legal out of the out of the picture, but what we can is downsize it. Yes. When yes. we do that, we actually use something which is beneficial comparison. So rather than asking why am I not there, how can I be unsuccessful and there thriving, we go and ask, hmm, how are they making it work, and can I replicate that in my own way? You see, because we're not trying to sugarcoat the failure, because the failure, we're not make, taking the failure personal. And I think this is the biggest, the huge mistake in the entrepreneurship, especially when we're running our own business, especially when we're alone, right? We become our business. So of course, every, every failure is our personal failure, right? Yes. But it's not, because we are not our business. Our business is merely a tool for self-expression for our beautiful virtues and talents that we have. We are not our business. So strong. Right? So strong, yes. So once when we take the ego out of the picture or we kind of downsize it, we also realize that we are not our business because this is what ego does. You are this. Ego is always telling us who we are and what we, what we, uh, how worthy are we and this and that. This all ego talk. When we take this, to the side, we actually get to see, okay, those guys are sharing their passion. Those guys are, you know, thriving. How can I replicate that, but in my own unique way? Because mm. even if you use the same formula, it will still be you, which makes the entire story completely different. And people are so obsessed with chasing authenticity and uniqueness without realizing that they don't need to chase. They just need to stand still and be who they are. Being, not doing, is what makes us authentic. So if those guys are thriving with ads, the person which put ego aside would send an email. Hey, you know what? You're awesome and I'm not. I want to be awesome too. How about we hop on a chat? And then we go from being constricted into being connected. And this is when manifestation occurs because no manifestation can come from the place of constriction. And connection is not something we can fake to the universe. Powerful, powerful. And I have a backhand question here is, what happens when you do that? You get on a chat with them, they share everything they do, all the keywords, all of the strategies, and still- And it doesn't work for you. <laughs> Because I done that, trust me. Not with one person, but with 10, 20 people. That's why we changed our business model eventually. Um, but it, 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 I think what you shared is is exactly is exactly right. It's really, uh, and I experienced this myself. Ego is becomes your biggest enemy. You know, becomes the. Or one. it can be your biggest friend. It can be your biggest friend if you choose to. Yes, yes. And how I think is that? more. I think more with male uh, entrepreneurs because I mean, I mostly work with men mm -hmm. and I know that you're integrating ego more because it's just a natural part of the sacred masculine, right? The na sacred masculine is here to protect. Yeah. So with that being said for you, it's just more natural to integrate ego into your existence. And also ego serves you a lot as a defense mechanism, which we ladies can tend to have lowered because you know, we are allowed to through the society. Okay. Luckily, this is changing nowadays. And 
big boys cry a lot yes. and share and give right and expose and are vulnerable and if you're listening to this and you're a big boy please don't hesitate to let your emotions out on a daily basis because otherwise it this is what causing frustration cancer and many other illnesses um but going back actually to something that you said what happens when you use the same method they use and you're still not getting there i really really wanted to tackle that because what you said afterwards was so fascinating. You're like, and this is why we change our business model. Can you share a story on that? Um, I don't, I, I think I should rephrase that. It's not the, re, that re, the reason why, but the reason being was when, when, you, when, you, when you are going through a journey, right? Particularly in that case with this affiliate business and you, you start to realize that um, you also don't believe in the product, right? It was a product that was a lot about, you know, the belief and, you know, Tony sharing to Tanya the belief and she was sharing another belief and everybody's sharing a belief, but it's not like yourself, you're coaching someone and guiding them from A to B, but it's a belief. And particularly when it's not working for you, the belief, and you're, you're trying to sell something that doesn't work, you, you don't, don't believe it, right? And if you don't believe it, you can't sell it. And so we came to realize that, yes, it was a great experience to learn about marketing, to learn about ads, to learn about email, how to respond and all the stuff. But we felt a massive disalignment with our values, which was integrity, honesty, you know, sharing something that was truly aligned with us. And, you know, we came to the conclusion of saying, well, why, why sharing something or someone else that is not even providing results to 99.99% of the people, a part of, you know, some individuals? And why can't we share what we learned through our own journey, our own uniqueness, our own... Um, being ourselves, as you just said before, you know, just be yourself and see people resonating with us and really adding value to these people and doing something that is extraordinary that we're going to give 150% to these people. And that's what we did. It took an enormous amount of work. It took an enormous amount of rediscovery, more learning, more training, but it was the best decision that we ever made because at least when you wake up in the morning, you feel like you're aligned. Now this is inspiring. And you see what you just did there? You received a blessing after the curse. Mm. But without a curse, would you be where you are now? No, absolutely not. So this was the road to self-discovery. And I mean... Some are more pleasant ones, <laughs> some are less pleasant ones. They could not work for you, those methods that are used if they weren't aligned with your values. Our, our highest self knows and will never thrive in what is in opposition to who we are. Mm -hmm. Luckily, we're all the same, yet very different. So we thrive on different things and with different aspects. But as you said it yourself, it was only when you fully decided to go in, give 
be authentic, be raw, be vulnerable, just read and do it despite the odds is when you begin to thrive. Yes, yes. So powerful. So do you want to say something else? I'm just saying that whoever is listening to this right now and you're trying something, right? And you are either you're trying to launch your coaching business or you're trying to sell your course or whatever it is that you're trying to do at the moment. And you're just hitting a brick wall time after time again. Think about it. Is, it, is this really because of the method and the principles? Or is, is it a cry for help from your highest self? Is it something else you should be doing which you're very well aware of and know deep, deep in your gut, but which you're not doing at the moment and go for that. Mm. Our intuition always knows the answer. It's the most of the time we don't want to listen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, then I have my last uh, five closing questions that I love to ask everybody. Are you, are you up for it? Ready? <laughs> okay. So the first question I want to ask you is, if you were to write a sentence on a giant, big billboard that the entire world can read, what would you write? Stop following passion, be passion. Amazing. I love it. So simple, but deep, very deep. The second question is, if you could spend five minutes with a 16 years old version of yourself, what advice would you give? <laughs> How many seconds? 15 seconds? Uh, no, no, five minutes. You got five minutes. Uh, I have five minutes. With a 16 oh, years old version of yourself. Just live. I don't think I would give myself any advice. I love every single decision that brought me here. Maybe, maybe have not been the right one, but I wouldn't like to mess with that because I love every single moment and every single nanosecond of my life. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to change it by giving myself in the past an advice. Yes, yes, awesome. What is success to you? Success is freedom. And if you ask me what is freedom, I will tell you a very egoistical question. <laughs> it's the ability to do what I want, when I want, with whom I want it, without, no, without consequences. Mm -hmm. And since the ultimate uh, freedom is my version of success, that would also be that success equals ultimate freedom in my book. Yes, yes. I love it. And what is the best advice you ever received from someone? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> oh, gosh. That, that is, okay, you have to give me <laughs> a couple of seconds. The best advice I ever received. I would say that love them unconditionally mm. as you do yourself. 
Yeah, love them unconditionally as you do yourself. I love it. Okay, so before my last question, where can people find, find you online and what can they do if they want to work with you, they want to get in touch with you, how can they get in touch? That's awesome that you asked this. Um, so of course you can only always find me on Instagram official Taylor Tenna or just on Facebook Tenna Taylor or LinkedIn Tenna Taylor. Basically, um, you know, all three platforms and channels are covered. Um, in January, I'll be hosting a three-day challenge on importance of the self-mastery through five bodies. So, and how to achieve self-mastery through physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, and energetic body to thrive in life and business. So I would love to all, you know, invite you to kind of follow me because I will be posting uh, about it fairly soon. And um, that, that, that is what I wanted to say. Well, maybe, maybe for joining the, um, the challenge, the best way would be uh, for them to join your Facebook uh, community and then... Yes, I'm having a Facebook community called Holistic Entrepreneurs. However, it's in a form, it's in a process of rebranding. I'll be opening another one. For the times being, please hop in the Holistic Entrepreneur and, you know, secure a spot in the new community there. Awesome, awesome. All right, my last question is, what is the impact that you want to make on others? I would love to live in a world where people are self-expressing fully while enjoying all types of abundance and embodying unconditional love every step of the way. I know this is very wooey and wishy-washy, but true to be told, I can tell you a lot of things that I want to achieve, but the world that I want to live in is precisely this world that I described. I think it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful mission, and I think you are well on your way to, to accomplish that. You shared some extraordinary contents today. I'm very grateful that, uh, that we did this interview. And... Uh, it's been amazing. Thank you so much for, for being here. Thank you so much.